Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Do 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 do. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast, sponsored by Hoxie Native Seeds. It doesn't have to only be Hoxie Native Seeds, though. If you're out there, you want to be mentioned on this podcast, we'd be happy to yeah. uh, chat. Uh, Kent and I, of course, are on our regular couch cuddling. He's so embarrassed about it, he's going to deny it avidly. Thank goodness this is not a video podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Get away from me, Nicholas. <laughs> Did not think you were going to go for that. All right. Well, I got a thing. 10 most visited national parks. Number one. I'm going to say Yellowstone National Park for number one. It's a great guess. My guess was Yosemite. And Yellowstone's number seven. And Yosemite's number six. I just want to say that. Okay. It's got uh, the arch. Actually, the The arch. St. Louis Arch. No. No, no, no. That's the smallest national park. No, most visited. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying it's so oh, small, yeah, yeah. so I wonder if people are like, oh, well, hey, the arch, get, get a this. The number one is almost 13 million visitors a year. The number two, 4.75. That's how big of a gap it was. But I, I do think these numbers are from 2019. They're from right before oh, COVID. man. So I was shocked. I was genuinely shocked. I, I, yeah. I, another uh, thing, another one on this list, Joshua Tree National Park. Yeah, that's, a, is that, that's in California, right? No, Northern, yeah, I didn't know. Northern California? Um, is it, is, is it a central California? Is it a Sequoia? Is that a Sequoia national? Park? Uh, there's yeah. yeah Cause there's I've been to the redwoods too. and that's freaking awesome. Yeah. I really want to go there. Uh, they're really cool. Why does, there's a lot of things I want to go see in California, but there's a lot of things that I don't want, want to like have to deal with in being in California. No dude, fly into Redding, fly into Red. It's a tiny little airport. You'll probably pay an extra hundred dollars per person for the flight. Like everything's so expensive. Just good. A lot of Northern things are California. very dirty. Like like San Francisco it seems like a great. Don't go to. Like, don't be like going. Cool, but there's cool stuff there. No, there ain't nothing cool in San Fran. They ain't nothing. Okay, no, there are lots of cool things. But it's so Fran. dirty. And actually, San San Francisco, when you're looking at it while you're driving around on the major highways, it actually it looks like a Dr. Seuss book. Because the houses are so weirdly shaped on hills, different yeah, colors. Right. It's pretty cool. Plus, they had that huge earthquake and, and the fire that followed like back in the early 1900s. It's just interesting history. Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Uh, Azusa Street. The, yeah. the revival happened in Hollywood. Anyway, so we'll start with number five. Acadia National Park. I was going to guess Acadia is number one. That was like my... So my first, first guess was Yellowstone. Then it was going to be Yosemite. Then Acadia was... Then the great Western mountains, Rocky Mountain. <laughs> Rocky oh, Mountain. we got to tell that story. Well, Nicholas was, was talking shop with a hardcore Western hunter and he referred to the Rocky mountains as the old Western. Cause I forgot what they were called. So I was like, yeah, Kent went oh, so, out recently, yeah. the old Western mountains. Look, I was trying to play it off like that. I, I was hunting like, with Frodo out in the, in the Western like mountains. Say it confidently enough. I just had a blip. Okay, so I knew it was either Rocky or Smoky, and my brain just it, the C K E Y on the they're the same word to me. They're really hard. There's no there's no C in Smoky. I got an A in geography sm- and fourth grade. The Smoky grade. Mountains. <laughs> they just look like peaks with like a little turtleneck. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Then number three, Zion National Park. Mm. Number. Where's that at again? I don't remember where Zion is. I don't know. 
You want me to look it up? Is that in uh, Utah? No. It sounds like a Colorado thing. Yeah, I can't remember. That might be in California as well. Um, I think it's Southwest. Well, Utah. Congratulations. Mm. Well, there's a lot of arches. Bryce Canyon. This has a really tiny river at the bottom of it is number two. Uh, is that uh, Shenandoah? No, no, no. Don't don't think about the river. It's a geo geographical uh, feature. Uh, Badlands. No, well, you're on the right track. You're thinking of the right. Teddy Roosevelt National Park. Grand Canyon. Brother. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and number one, wow. which was genuinely shocking, with no close number two, with almost three times as many visitors as number two, the Great Smoky Mountains. Oh, I would not have guessed that. You know what? That was a meteor trivia question that I got right. I bet Ezra, Ezra got that. Ezra right. got it right too. Ah, I can't believe I forgot that. Since Man, then. if Ezra. Oh, you know what it was? It was this. This. Uh, it wasn't what was most visited. It was which park has the most wildlife? Which national park has the most diverse wildlife, or something like that? Oh, the smoky. Really, the smoky. Because they got like well, elk. Yeah, they got deer. They, they have, have bears. More... They have. They're not. Although you know what, that, I would think that would be. Uh, it's less dry. There. Or is the most biodiverse? That's what it was. It's not less dry in the Smoky right. than the Rockies. Right. So. Right. Okay. So, so like this plants is the, and and fungi and lichen and stuff like that. I know? really need to just visit because these are the major ones that everyone goes to. And mm-hmm. actually, my uh, biological dad uh, is right now driving through the United States with my stepmom and my little sister in a van. For a year, they're That's just driving cool. around, and it, the pictures they send us are super cool. So what they do is they go to a major, like major place. They plan on staying there a week, and for the first whole day, maybe maybe not a whole day, but they spend like quite a bit of time just finding locals and saying, "Hey, where should we go? Hmm. Where should we go while we're here?" And uh, instead of you know, and they see all the major sites, but then they get to see all the other cool stuff that you don't hear about on the or don't see the pictures of on Instagram and stuff. But so I looked up, I was like, you know what? Nature, we know that nature is better for our health, right? Mm-hmm. We, we know natural is better for our health. Being in nature is better for our health. But like how, like how much, um, I found one study that I didn't agree with. It wasn't the scientific part. It was the, what they extrapolated from it that said, we're finding now that it's not that we need to go out and be in nature. It's that we need to, and like be in like major nature areas. We need to connect with the nature wherever we are. And I think that's important. Like if you live in a uh, sky rise, then you should have a plant or two and, and like really connect with those plants. Um, actually connecting with plants, really powerful thing. Hmm. Uh, just individual plants. But um, I found this other study. I think that you should go into large i think we just need to connect with those we need to be alone we need to get where we don't see a single thing of concrete or um or electronics you know inside some some kind of man-made feature but so i looked up this other one and uh it is complicated it's it's not like a light blog it's like a study but i'm going to list off all the things that this in-depth study let's see Association between nature exposure and health, a review of the evidence. And it's got like a bunch of doctors named on it. From I don't PubMed, know. PubMed, right? Yep. PubMed. 
And here are the things that are positively impacted by um, being out in nature. Um, stress. Uh, effective state. I don't know what that means. Anxiety and depressive moods. Your cognitive function. Your brain activity. So not only how good your brain works, but how much it does. Your uh, blood pressure. Your immune function. Your postoperative recovery. Don't know what that means. Um, a, your mental health, of course. And then there were a few other, your physical activities. They talk about um, more in detail about like muscles and stuff like that. It's long. I mean, it's like thousands and thousands of words. Um, birth outcomes. They studied allergies. I didn't get this far. I read probably. <laughs> allergies go up when you go out in the nature. No, I think <laughs> no, they I'm, go down. I'm, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm like, kidding. like obviously there'd be a spike, but I think, you know, a lot of humans kind of um, adjust to it. Even to the small point where I was, yesterday I was mostly in the office, but then I had to, you guys had harvested um, Sweet Black Eyed Susan and I had to go get the bags and just touching the bags, my skin started like reacting and I haven't been outside much since basically since Ezra was here and we were mowing through the stuff and I was outside, you know, six out of the nine hours a day I was here for a while. Um, and I had no reactions. Mm. So, and, and dad doesn't have any reaction to anything. He's outside all the time. You hardly have any reaction to any of the seeds. I mean, yeah. that pollen at, uh, in oh, Tama County, yeah, that was the, rough. The, all the grass, the standing oh, rye yeah. grass that they had. And then they, uh, but, yeah. And I mean, at some point anyone's going to, I mean, yeah. if you're breathing in straight sawdust, you're going to, yeah, you're going to cough dude. and sputter. But anyway, it, it, it's very detailed. NCBI.NLM.NIH.gov, which is just MedPub Central. PubMed. Um, PubMed, thank you. Um, it's really good. And it basically is telling you that if you don't go outside, you die sooner and your life is worse and you're less happy. So, yeah, I believe it. Um, I think a lot of the healthiest people we all know um, are people that spend a lot of time outside. Um, we joke about it all the time with Carol about how how young he is. And there's been quite a few people that both Carol and I know. And I'll be like, how much older is that person than you? And uh, Carol kind of laugh and I'll be like, they're actually 10 years younger than me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, so somebody who's been doing... Yeah, his genetics physical, are unreal. But, but yes, but also just like his willingness to do hard work and not oh, avoid yeah. it. You know, yeah. like so much of what we're trained to do is to avoid doing challenging things. Yeah. To avoid... If you work really hard, you can you can uh, someday not have to work hard at all. Yeah. You know, like it's like this carrot that this, this desk yeah. confinement life. I think and that's one of the things I actually appreciate about you too, Nicholas, is oh, you thanks. try to come out. You are like looking, <laughs> okay, can I come help you guys? I just, and sometimes I'll be like, eh, we're probably okay. You can keep, no, I think I'll just come help you guys. <laughs> because well, you're like craving to have that. And yeah. it's, it's such a valuable thing that I think, um, everyone who's tuning into this, maybe you can't do it with your job. I know how that is. I taught for eight years and I didn't have windows for, for three of those eight years. And you, I mean, it's just the way it is. If, if I'm going to make money, I got to be locked in this room. Yeah. Uh, and, and I get that. But then when you do have time where you can kind of choose your destination and what you're going to be doing, try and set your sights on doing something outside. I like what you pointed out there. You said, if I'm going to make money, I have to be locked in this room. Why is that? It's because yeah. 
where is the money? It's in the rooms, it's on the screens, yeah. but we could change that. So if we were out, if we were outside more and there was more outdoor discovery, there would be need yeah. for more outdoor yeah, shift the um, industry back outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shifting the industry to back outside and and uh, less comfortable and probably more deaths from falling off cliffs. But my goodness, you know, yeah. I think humans would smile more. I'm I'm a I'm I'm getting up there in years. Nick getting reminds, up there. Uh, I'm not super old. I'm, thir- I'm 34. 61. I'm 34. Whoa! Did not <laughs> would not have guessed. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I just had my first physical in a while. Yes, I'm one of those people who doesn't go to the doctor as much as I should. Um, Dude, but- I didn't go since high school. I went the first time the other day since high school. Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm like, I've been trying to think back. I can't remember. I wasn't, I'm not that bad. But anyways, I had my, fr- my, like I'd go at least every like couple years, usually get, get a physical, maybe every three or four years sometimes. But, um, but I had my best physical exam since high school. Like my blood pressure, everything was just like the best that it had been since then. And this was after, you know, working here for a year instead of being locked in the room with no windows, you know, and it just showed like that's data, right? Hmm. Like, yeah, confirms you're healthier. You're outside now. Man. Time. You're doing physical work. So that's yeah. interesting. My, I had a, when I was at the doctors, they said that my blood pressure was 128 over 80 something. And I heard that that was good. I don't know. What, I don't know what scores are supposed to be, but that's I've, terrible. Nick. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Kids like they lied to you. They didn't. No, it's not that bad. No, man, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. So the thing I had is about tires, and I'll keep it brief. Oh, good. We, Rubber. We, we, we talked. We talked about uh, uh, Nick's topic for a while here. One but, of Kent's favorite things is to start prairie burns with tires, like using them to burn the. Just really hold that heat in. It's a nice slow burn. <laughs> oh, no. No, don't burn don't tires, burn people. your tires people. uh so judd mccollum big shout out to our buddy judd sent me a story uh i guess you call it a story uh post from uh a friend of ours named john who uh um we're hoping hoping to feature some of his music soon on this show come on john and uh uh john uh just was reading and he came across an article I didn't find the same article he had, but I looked it up. I found it on the Weather Channel, and then I also found it uh, through. Uh, it's like a tire. Uh, one second here. Uh, the uh, USTires.org, um, like, kind of confirmed that yes, there are synthetic rubbers, so polymers, right, where they take real natural rubber from, you know, rubber trees, and. Uh, or latex trees, I guess you'd call them. And then they, uh, um, I don't know, they are called rubber trees, aren't they? They get The product they get, I think, is called latex. But anyways, you can read about that in 1493. Very interesting story. It's beautiful. But there's these synthetic polymers where they're using uh, plastics to mix in with natural rubber to make tires, which shouldn't sound that surprising to us, right? Um, and... Uh, as we drive, obviously there's a lot of friction between the road and our tires and our tires wear out. Right. And eventually we can even like measure like a depth of our tread on our tires. And when I was in driver's edit, your tire was supposed to be so tall that if you like put a penny in there, you could, you like the treads would cover up to like Lincoln's head or something like that. That told you if your tire tread was, was deep enough and your tires were, were safe. But, um, as our tires wear down, where does that rubber go? Like 
again, Ooh, again, you know, like you can't, we, we live in this world where we forget all the time that matter and energy are conserved, right? They don't just disappear. Yeah. You know? Like it goes somewhere. So where yeah. does all that rubber shedding off of our tires goes? Turns out it goes into the ocean and uh really so like micro rubber because i thought it like microplastics yeah so the plastics in that rubber even if it burned up that matter still exists somewhere right there's just like you burn a log there's still ash right a lot of it was carbon dioxide that went up into the atmosphere but a lot of it's in the ash laying in your fire ring so so the rubber is is basically falling apart into these tiny little pieces and the video that i watched from the weather channel said yeah like one trillion uh microplastic particles for every half mile of driving so 78 wow 78 percent of the microplastics found in the ocean are from your tires from our tire are from synthetic rubber tires i believe dude my just, wife just, has needed just, new tires for like three straight years, and we're saving the earth by not getting her new ones. No, even with new ones, you're still shedding it, the rubber because there's still friction. New tires wear down, right? No, that's what I'm saying is is new tires wear down faster. You get to a point where they kind of just quit wearing down. That's not true. That is not at all true. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we got the same amount of tread on those tires, <laughs> is which is news. none for like three years. <laughs> no. You're, there's probably wires showing in your tires somewhere. <laughs> Honestly, there might be. <laughs> but uh, but so um, I was like, wow, you know, I, Judd sent that to me. I was like, man, that is crazy. And then Judd said, yeah. Or I said, so much driving, so much, so much uh, microplastic, you know, fall, you know, shedding. And he's like, yeah, but also all that runoff on our hard surfaces going and eventually going down gradient it speeds up the watershed basically right so because we have all these parking lots hard roads oh yeah yeah you know everywhere that cars driveways cars are driving on all these hard surfaces and that is a surface that is very easy for water to shed off of and carry you know the microplastics Mm. down the watershed and eventually it ends up so you're saying all our roads should be gravel no, I'm just saying that, like, you can see how we end up at that 78% because we all drive so much, so much of the time. And um, we have basically this highway, literal highway system to the oceans. Are there any this rubber solutions on. to rubber for well, tire? Well, so this brings me to my second point. So I read recently. I wasn't trying to set them up. I was genuinely curious. Yeah. <laughs> so I read recently that soybeans are used in tire uh manufacturing and i was like huh never heard that really? kind of interesting that one of the things we use for some of our food products we also use for the trucks that deliver those food products but anyways i digress <laughs> but uh, uh this is a good thing though like soybean oil is an ingredient that is being used i read on an article from motor trend being used for making more sustainable tires so more uh, sustainable meaning, as in meaning a natural product not that they last longer sustainable is a is a word that is um you know used and abused right yeah and and it happens to every every environmental friendly term like even environmental friendly itself yeah every term gets used and abused the newest one you heard it here first people um resilience resilient was a new term that was being used like maybe five six years ago 
uh, not even that long ago, probably like three or four years ago by uh, some of the people who were wanting, you know, ag, ag practice changes and so forth. They were talking about resilient farming hmm. and you're, you'll start seeing that it's a new marketing buzz yeah. term. I've already seen it. Well, cause if farmers hate the idea of sustainable, they're oh, we don't need to be sustainable. Well, but yeah, well, but you not, can be resilient. Well, it's not, know? it's not even, it's not even that they hate it. It's just like, it's a way for an industry that isn't truly something to just say that they are. Hmm. And, and, uh, you know, people are going to, a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, see, it says right here, you know, that's this thing. Yeah. So yes, there are problems with large scale soybean production for sure. Just like there are for, for corn and, and other things. Right. But this is a good use. And if we have, if we're using more natural products, which right now, what I, in the motor trend article that I read, it said Goodyear had rolled out these tires that were 90% made of, you know, products that, price that were either recycled or came from natural sources. Hmm. So anyway, what happens with old tires that don't get burned? That, that is a, uh, there was a, uh, episode of dirty jobs years ago that kind of covered that. And I don't remember what the exact answer was other than it's kind of like they kind of just get shifted around. And if there's a way to like, let's make something new out of these tires, then that happens. So they otherwise don't make, they kind of just, what about like turf? Like, yeah, that would be an example. Turf. That'd be an example of where maybe they can. But basically, there's so many more tires than we have use for the recycled rubber. Probably, yeah. Hmm. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So I, I mean, that was better. I don't know why we spend so much time on the Smoky Mountains and the no, Western. No, it's, it's interesting. But, but uh, so the let me uh, cite my so USTires.org was one of mine. Motor Trend and then the Weather Channel were all the resources I used there for, for talking about that. But um, uh, just another, like, I, I'd say that Goodyear deserves a little pat on the back for that one, you know, yeah. for trying to find something that's maybe a little bit. And I'm sure they still have to use plastics. Um, yeah. Again, and if I can't, if, if there's two books you're ever going to read or listen to, 1491 and 1493 by Charles Mann, and you'll understand how the world works so much better. And in 1493, they talk a lot about the discovery of and use of rubber. Yeah. And a big part of it was making it uh, so that it could be uh, in a form that was useful. And I believe they had had to, you know, they had to put additives into that rubber yeah. to like make it so that it works like it does now. Because I was thinking the other day, I'm actually not against plastic at all. I'm against plastic that gets thrown away after one single use. Right. Right. Because if, if you buy plastic Tupperware and you own it for years, like that actually is, that's pretty helpful. And in the grand scheme of things, I don't think well, the, it would the be one, that. Well, the one problem is, again, you go back to microplastics because everything's, we live in a world of, of chemical and mechanical weather. Oh, yeah. You know, like everything breaks down. And so, you know, every time you scrape your fork across the bottom of that, tupperware container you're probably shaving up little ribbons of microplastics that are going into your body then yeah and yeah but you you're still probably 90 you're still, still probably better than just throwing it away of the of the microplastics that would and i have no real numbers on that but i'm just imagining like i'm thinking about all the plastic bags all the water yeah. bottles yeah, all yeah, the single-use plastics yeah. yeah they're it's not good and why can't we you know like a lot of restaurants recycle plastic drink cups right like if you yeah. go to a sit-down restaurant like you're drinking out of a glass it's probably been drank out of like eight thousand times yeah 
you ever see how well engineered and thick a Gatorade bottle is? You know what I mean? We all use those as weapons in junior oh, yeah. high, you know, clocking each other over the head with them. Why can't why can't all that stuff be like collected and sanitized just like those restaurant drink cups, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Know. You know, it's probably worth using a little extra plastic to because if you use 50% extra plastic, but even if you only used it three times, you're already saving you know, right. you're already on the savings. Yeah, I mean, that's a consumption. You know, that's more of a lazy comfort kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which I was thinking the other day, this phrase, my comfort always comes at the cost of somebody. It might be future Nicholas. It might be somebody mm. else somewhere who's I having like to work for not enough money. It might be our children who yeah. are having. Who oh, are, that's a really good point. But my comfort is. O- and sometimes the cost is fine. Um and sometimes it's not, and we should look at what what is my comfort right now costing? Who is it costing, and how much is it costing them? Yeah. So it's almost like when we seek out comfort, it should be a thoughtful endeavor. Exactly. It should be a rarity, not the norm. As we sit in this air conditioning unit. All right, guys. <laughs> thanks so much. We are uh, we are happy to be hanging out with each other and with you. We're in the middle of harvest season. For anyone who's curious, we are very busy. And uh, we appreciate the rain that came through. Praise the Lord. Man. All right. Talk soon.